Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. And I'm joined by Tony Thompson, who is the sheriff of Blackhawk County, Iowa, over Waterloo Way, which, thanks to the four-lane Highway 20, is only about three hours now from Sioux City. But his book is called Any Place But Here, The Uncomfortable Convergence Between Mental Illness and the Criminal Justice System. The book is available everywhere. Buy it where you buy your fine books, including Amazon. And... Tony, as I jump into this, I love the fact that you are using the bully pulpit that comes with your political power for this type of issue, because I don't think it's one that a lot of common voters, common citizens, everyday people outside of the justice system, the law enforcement, any of that know about. And so really, this was, it felt like you got mad and decided to write a book and do something about a problem you noticed. Well, I think, you know, uh, oftentimes you'll hear people say, oh, you should write a book about that, right? And, and, and we jokingly, I think, recognize that, yeah, we, we get exposed in law enforcement to a lot of things. And, and uh, oftentimes we, we say, yeah, <laughs> that would make a great chapter in a book or, you know. Uh, but when, when somebody said that at one point, I said, you know, Tony, I, I wonder if I could challenge myself to write a book and if I were going to write a book, what would I write it about? And this, unfortunately, was one of those areas of my job that I have so much information, so many details. I think I highlight maybe eight or ten different anecdotal types of real stories uh, to illustrate points and to give you know better depth and breadth of background. And uh, unfortunately, there's hundreds more where that came from, right? So when we talked about writing a book, uh, I said, well, this is a no-brainer. This is one where I do have to be passionate because over 60% of my inmate population is mentally ill. And if, if I could reduce, you know, even a third of that, 30% of my bed space, uh, we wouldn't have to go to, to voters, you know, and say, hey, we need to build a bigger jail or we need to retool or we need to add staff or we need to whatever. Um, it, it is that pervasive an issue. And so... If it came off that I was angry, <laughs> if it came off that I was perplexed or I was deeply moved to do it, uh, all of those things are true. Um, but the reality is we sit at the very bottom of this funnel where, damn it, we, we, we shouldn't be uh, treating our mentally ill in county jails across the state of Iowa. That's just not the way this should happen. And I like the idea that, you know, for every criminal case, there generally needs to be a mens rea. You have to have a criminal mind about you. And people who are mentally ill don't have that criminal mind. They can't form that intent. And so they end up in your jail, can't make bond, they're poor, they can't make bond. And so they sit there without getting any mental health treatment. But when you have these folks in town, you highlight the absolute dearth of bed space that there is available for people at the state level to be treating the mentally ill. What does that look like right now? So it's, it's a challenge. I feel bad. You know, in my county, um, we are not the desert that some of the counties that surround Woodbury uh, are. We are not uh, the desert that some of the southernmost counties on the tier down closer to Missouri. You know, we, we actually have some resources. We have a couple of mental health units at a couple hospitals. We, we have an access center. We have an adult crisis stabilization center here in our county, and still, uh, we have these areas of, of, of acute uh, problem. But across the state of Iowa, when we know that we are 51st in the nation as far as being able to, to deliver quality mental health care, um, 
you know, that's pretty poor. Uh, when Governor Branstead first started shutting down Clorinda, Mount Pleasant, in my mind, I thought maybe he's being very clever. Maybe he's trying to create uh, this impetus for privatization, some sort of uh, public-private partnership or some sort of opportunity whereby, um, you know, it, it generates and fosters more engagement. And, and that simply wasn't the case. It seems like he was just backing up and, and withdrawing the state's obligation to the mentally ill. And that, that's really the trying to react to. There seems to be, you show several examples in the book of people who end up in jail for relatively minor offenses but turn into bigger things because it will be a shoplifting or a trespassing or a public intoxication that results in an assault on a police officer and then the judge sees that and sets a high bond and so people sit there awaiting jail when really their problem is mental illness. And I know you don't touch on it a whole lot in the book, but where do prosecutors' offices bear a certain responsibility of pursuing a criminal case against somebody who is mentally ill when the criminal case does society no good whatsoever? And that's, uh, you know, so that the challenge is uh, once in, and I think you kind of alluded to this in, in, a, in a previous statement that you made, once you get in the criminal justice system, if you don't have the funds uh, to alleviate yourself from the system yourself, you uh, you're stuck to your own devices, and quite frankly, at the end of the day, when uh, we catch these mentally ill folks up into the system, they recidivate at a higher level. They get they get bound up even in the first case for a much longer period of time, and, and quite frankly, for the courts and for a lot of the mental health delivery system, that's okay too because the, there are three charges that the jail is obligated to. Number one, keep them there, right? A judge says, keep them in jail because we want them remanded until we get their case disposed of. Number two, keep them safe, even oftentimes if that means keeping them safe from themselves. And so one of the hardest things that a jailer, that a jail staff member has to deal with is, particularly when it comes to the mentally ill, is keeping them safe from themselves. Uh, Suicides, uh, severe depression, coming off of their antidepressant medication, trying to re-regulate them back onto their antipsychotic medication, all of those kinds of things. So number two, uh, keeping them safe um, in the grand scheme of things is probably one of the most important pieces of what a county jail is obligated to do. Uh, and then number three, helping to expedite them out of our facility onto community-based placement, onto prison, onto whatever other facility, get them out so we can occupy that bed with another head. Um, so those are the three things that we really focus on, but you, you keyed in on, it, it's hard enough for a normal, quote-unquote, person to deal with the criminal justice system, but when you add mental illness on top of it, it just exacerbates that problem. And then recidivism, uh, you know, recidivism on top of that uh, creates just another perplexing issue uh, and we're not talking about every three to five years. We're talking about every 90 days for some of these folks. 
I'm chatting with Sher Sheriff Tony Thompson from Blackhawk County, Iowa, about his brand new book, Any Place But Here, The Uncomfortable Convergence Between Mental Illness and the Criminal Justice System. It's available everywhere. Check it out on Amazon or wherever else you buy your fine books. Tony, the title, Any Place But Here, refers to that NIMBY, not in my backyard attitude. George Carlin used to have a stand-up bit about it. And, you know, no, everybody says we should build more prisons, build more beds, but not here. I don't want it here. When, right. when you right. sit there and you try to come up with different plans, and you your text even exact showed your frustration with this, there's not a silver bullet answer because we didn't dig this hole in over the course of five years. We dug this over the course of five generations, right? Right, exactly. So, so yeah, even if back in the Puritan eras, right, back in the 1700s, if you had, uh, let's say, a child with Down syndrome, uh, you were shunned from the community because obviously there was something wrong with you and your family. You were not right with God for some reason. And so that shunning, that stigmatism um, of mental health, mental illness, uh, has started clear back centuries ago. And, and now here we sit today looking at somebody walking down the street, mumbling to themselves, clearly in some sort of psychosis and, and uh, in some sort of mental health crisis. And, and I think those folks occupy a spot in our social blind spot that we all recognize. Um, nobody wants to look at them. Nobody wants to realize that they are there. Nobody wants to acknowledge that there's somebody needing help. Um, and really, even legislators don't want to do much about it because it's, it's this uncomfortable understanding that we aren't doing well. It's excruciatingly expensive to, to take care of the problem. And so that's the first reason why legislators, you know, are an immediate hands-off with it. And then whatever you do do, um, I talk about in the book uh, trying to testify in a, in a certification of need, and I'm, I'm using air quotes when I say that, um, for a new mental health hospital that's down by, by uh, in Scott County, down by Davenport. And I thought, man, this is going to be easy as I'm driving to Des Moines to testify uh, certification of need, man, we need beds everywhere, so this is going to be quick and painless. And then the big three uh, uh, medical companies in the, in the state, the big, the big uh, 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 powerful, you know, business-oriented, uh, you know, side of, of medical and mental health care, uh, stood up and said, well, we don't need any more beds. There's beds everywhere. Uh, they just didn't want the competition. And I thought, holy cow, I, I had no idea that this is where this was going to go. And uh, suddenly it became like this three-year fight. And then secondarily to that was uh, uh, a facility in Clive. And those NIMBYs that you talked about, yeah, what a great idea. What a great place to, uh, to, to build something so long as it doesn't touch adjacent to my property. I don't want my property values to drop. I don't want... You know, those kinds of things. So we do have this social blind spot. Everyone acknowledges that it exists. But that stigmatism that is so deeply rooted in all of us, because mental illness is just something that exists so long as it doesn't personally impact us, is so pervasive it's hard to combat. And... Unfortunately, it does. It costs a lot of money. It's, it's a hard thing to factor. And when I said any place but here, I was selfishly saying any place but the Blackhawk County Jail. <laughs> um, other people are saying any place but here, not in my backyard. 
other people are saying any place but here as far as the social status of where we are today and how we are treating our mentally ill. And so it has many, many meetings. Are you an outlier among the 99 sheriffs in Iowa that has taken up such a concern about this? Because I see sheriffs use their bully pulpit for everything from guns in school to arming citizens to all kinds of different things. You're the only one talking real publicly about this. Are you an outlier? I don't think so. I think uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm the dumb one. I'm the one that was willing to stand up and say, let me articulate the problems that we see every single day. Um, about three years ago, I was the president of the State Sheriffs and Deputies Association. And so I got to know most of the sheriffs around the state pretty intimately and, and got to champion causes with them. And, and I've been working with them now. It takes about eight years to become the state president, working your way through um, you know, all the different committees and, and different, uh, you know, legislative and jails and all these different organizations within our, our state association. And, and uh, we are all preaching from the same Bible on, on, on this issue. We all see the same thing, whether we run a, an eight-bed jail or a 300-bed or a 1,000-bed jail in the case of Polk County. Um, we all see the same problems. Um, the matter of acuity is a little different depending on what size you are and what you know, what availability your county hospital has for bed space and that kind of thing. But the reality is it's exhausting. It's exhausting for those family members. It's exhausting for those loved ones, for those neighbors. It's exhausting for us as sheriffs, uh, for us as deputies. And at some point, you get tired of beating your head against the wall, and so... The unwillingness to jump up and down, scream and yell, and create more tension, more angst, more anxiety for you when there's, you know, so many fronts that you're fighting on already. I think most sheriffs aren't looking for yet another fight um, to front on, or, uh, front to fight on. Um, so, like I say, maybe it, maybe I was just at the wrong place at the right time or the right place at the wrong time, I don't know, to, to, to articulate it in a book. But uh, I, I would gather that probably 98% of the sheriffs are experiencing what we're experiencing here and what I've articulated in the book. Most every sheriff that has read the book has been commenting right on the money, perfect analogies, exactly what we feel, what we experience, what we see, um, you know, Kind of, kind of reiterating exactly the message. It's just a matter of being willing to be dumb enough to stand up and say it. Wouldn't it have been a lot easier just to pick up the bully pulpit to make sex offenders even more of a pariah? <laughs> you know, the bad thing about sex offenders is nobody stands up for them. <laughs> the reality is not even the ACLU will, uh, will back the sex offenders. So they're just low-hanging fruit that the, the legislators can beat up on any time they want and and uh, they're easy to pick at. So uh, I was one of the first deputies to go out and have to knock on doors of sexual predators that uh, are back in the community saying, hey, they just changed the law. I know you've lived here for 13 years, but they just changed the law because they wanted to be tough on crime, and you can't live here anymore because guess what? Now you're within uh, 1,000 feet of a daycare. And they're like, what am I supposed to do now? I say, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you, but there's a map online that can tell you the, the few places in, in Iowa where you can live. And uh, so you're right, you know, sex offenders are, uh, are pretty easy to pick at, and, 
and the nice thing for a legislator is not many people back them up and not many people defend them. So uh, that's kind of a funny uh, that's kind of a funny one that you choose to, to use as an example. I know you address it in the book, and you uh, you have a very apt description of the uh, efforts at sex offender laws. But you're fighting the good fight here, and I, we see it in our community. You see it in your community. It's all over, not just the state, but the country as well. The book is called Any Place But Here, The Uncomfortable Convergence Between Mental Illness and the Criminal Justice System. It's by Tony Thompson. He's the sheriff of Black Hawk County, Iowa, over in Waterloo. Tony, it's just an absolutely remarkable book, and it's an easy read to put this idea in perspective. It's something people are, it's uncomfortable to read about, but you make it uh, very readable using real-life examples of people, and I thank you for putting this together, and thank you for your time talking about it. I hope that, uh, I, number one, I appreciate that. I, I hope that it gives kind of that sneak behind the curtain kind of peek. Uh, it, it definitely is a voice that not many people hear, right? It's easy for a loved one. It's easy for a family member uh, to stand up and advocate. Oftentimes you don't hear that from a law enforcement professional. You don't hear that from an administrator. Um, so I hope that my voice, my championing uh, this cause helps give a little punch, a little emphasis, uh, a little additional zest or sprinkle on top, if you will, uh, of how important it is. Because we actually could save money if we would regenerate some emphasis and let legislators know that mental health is a priority. Destigmatizing mental illness is a priority. Um, and uh, and really take that to heart as a community, as a, as a state. As with most inconvenient truths, you're right on the money, but they're just hard to move the needle, aren't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do appreciate you helping to give a little spotlight and focus to it. It's important. It absolutely is. Sheriff Tony Thompson, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. We gotta get out!